Well, good morning, Cross Point Church. I just uh, I want to take a, just a second to recognize um, the veterans who sacrificed everything so we could have the freedom. The freedom even for me to be standing up here right now and um, preaching about Jesus. All right. Um, I'm a veteran. I'm a former U.S. Marine. And uh, hoorah. All right. Um, and Veterans Day, we celebrate all the veterans, right? We, we, that's in November, but Memorial Day is a, it's a time to remember those who didn't make it back home. And, um, and I just wanted to take the opportunity to do that tomorrow when you're with your family and grilling and, and not trying to be heavy or anything. That's, that's, that's great stuff, but just take a, take a second to remember um, why you have the freedoms that you have. And uh, if you see a veteran, thank them. Thank them their service um, I'm Darren Roberts I'm the missions pastor here at Cross Point Church Pastor David is hanging out in Quitman he said he's looking forward to seeing you guys next week and if uh, this is your first time visiting Cross Point Church I just want like last service this is where my microphone went crazy so I'm just excited I made it this far um but if you're a visitor, we just want to welcome you here at church. I mean, we, we, hope, that, uh, we hope that you find this a, a church home. Um, and we realize there are a lot of churches here in Valdosta, a lot of great churches. But, but uh, I'm a little biased. I think ours is the best. I'm just going to say that right there. Uh, and we're really, we're really glad you're here. Um, hey, it's the last Sunday in May. I know I'm excited. How many parents do we have in here? If you've got, uh, you got a kid's preschool and all that. Look, May, we've got one parent besides me. May is, it's like mayhem. They should just call it the month of mayhem. Uh, preschool graduations, right? You got, you got kindergarten graduations, and you got fifth grade and eighth grade graduations, and then you actually got real graduation, the 12th grade and college graduates. And, and then you have, for all the smart kids, you got the honors days and nights. And then uh, I have two daughters that take dance, so I have dance recitals I get to go to. And, uh, and you know what? I, I've seen where a lot of you have kids in sports, and I'm just like, I'm breathing a sigh of relief. The summer is here. We made it. We made it through the month of May. June starts, and in two weeks, I'll be ready for my girls to go back to school. That's the, they'll be calling me every day, Dad, where's lunch? What you going to do for us next? All my friends are at Disney. They're doing this, this, and this. We're bored. And so I'll be ready in two weeks for my kids to get back to school. Um... Uh, church, if you remember last, if you've been here a while, we every year we do uh, something called Baby Bottle Boomerang. Uh, it's, it helps out uh, a ministry called uh, Options Now. Not to be confused with Only Options, which I do all the time. Uh, so that Only Options is a boutique store. Uh, Options Now is a, uh, I think it's a crisis pregnancy center. And so uh, every year we collect change, um, and we had baby bottles. This year it's the same thing. They're just calling it Change for Life. And instead of a baby bottle, we've got these envelopes, and I'm, I promise you, money fits in here. A change, uh, it's really fun for the kids to go through the house and find all your loose change, your quarters and your nickels and all that stuff, and go in the car and find that stuff. And uh, hey, I'll tell you what, uh, a $20 bill fits in there nicely too. They, they take more than change. They'll take checks, cash, a uh, credit card probably. So um, help them. It's a great ministry. They're camped out right in the atrium outside these doors. If you have questions about uh, options now uh, they'll be glad to answer those questions and before we dive into where I'm just going to pray over uh, this sermon 
and then we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, God, I just come to you, and I am so grateful. God, I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to stand up here and, and teach, Lord. And God, I'm grateful for those who have served our country and paid the ultimate price for the freedoms that we so enjoy, Lord. God, as I preach today, God, I ask, I ask that eyes be open, ears be open, Lord, that our hearts be open to receive what you would have them receive, God. I ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Last week, Pastor Gabe uh, gave a, a great, I can't say the word phenomenal, my wife, my wife hates it when I say phenomenal, I got into one of those kicks where that was like every word, I was trying to be bougie, another word that my, one of my daughters taught me, uh, just trying to sound richer than I am, and so I, I used the word phenomenal, but if I could use my own word, I would say he did a phenomenal job last week. Uh, but I'll just say great, so my wife uh, won't get all over me for using big words that I don't need to be using. But Gabe preached last week, and he, and, he, and he really, I thought it was a great sermon because he talked about believing as a family, what that looks like. And um, I was already prepared for this sermon, and I I'd had the direction that I was going. And as I was listening more and more to his sermon, I just couldn't help but uh, I feel like God was tugging me to change things up a little bit which was really kind of stressful because I don't like doing that. Uh, I really, <laughs> I like a process, and it was interrupting my process, um, but I just couldn't shake it. I had a, a night of unrest, and, and so I, I changed things on Thursday, and I hope, you, I, hope you, uh, I hope you're able to receive this because I, I think it's a good word today. Um, I really feel like God laid this on my heart. Um, and some of the things I took away from Gabe's sermon last week, if you weren't here, um, he talked about a, a family that lives a life on mission. Number one, they bring the word home. They bring the word home, and, it, and then that starts with your own heart. And this is kind of where I'm going to camp out today. Our responsibility, the responsibility that we have as followers of Christ. And then, and then Gabe talked about the man's influence on the household. And, and, he, and he quoted these statistics uh, that if a, if, a, if a male figure in the house, if the husband, the father, the kids is the follower of Christ, that his, his family has a 93% chance of following Christ themselves. And if the woman is in this alone and she's following Christ, but the husband or the father of the kids is not, there's a 17% chance that the family will come to know Christ. That's a sobering statistic. And it puts this weight, this burden, not just on a man's shoulder to lead his family well, to lead his kids well, but I think all of us as followers of Christ just realize the importance of leading at home. And as I was preparing the sermon, I was thinking about the weight that we all bear and that responsibility that we share in living out um, and doing the gospel. I was thinking about the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. You know, he paid it all. And, and we have a responsibility to that sacrifice. If we call ourselves Christ's followers, all right, there's a responsibility that we bear. And I'm not talking about earning your salvation. This is not what I'm talking about here. You know, Gabe said that last week. We cannot earn our salvation. All right, you cannot, you cannot do things that bad enough to disqualify yourself. God's not going to hate you. Believe me, I, I have a salty past. I'm a, I'm a former Marine, all right? I wasn't always saved. But Jesus saw through all that junk and that muck and he reached out and he saved me, a wretch like me. 
but he also saves those that maybe don't look like a wretch, that maybe they're good people on the outside. And salvation is for the good and it's for the bad. It's for us all. And you can't earn your way to heaven and you can't disqualify yourself from heaven. Jesus paid that price at the cross. And that's, I want to be very clear about that. But upon salvation, we bear a responsibility as followers of Christ. We need to understand that salvation is not the end story. We can't say, all right, I'm saved, I made it. I'm just going to go to church on Sundays. Um, I'm just going to read my Bible every now and then. And that's it. I'm just, I made it to heaven. Because that is not God's design for us. Salvation is not the end of our story. It's the beginning of a brand new book. And God's writing that book for us every single day. And so there, you might be asking, you know, is there a secret to this? And there's a secret to living out the gospel. And I believe that if we can learn the art of putting some disciplines and principles in place, that yes, we can be confident that we can live out the gospel in a way that honors God. And I believe that Paul reveals this in Galatians chapter 2. I believe that the scripture we're going to go over in a second is foundational in our key. It's a foundational key to our walk with Christ. And we hear the word discipline. I'll be honest with you, I was, kind of a, I, I was kind of a wild child growing up, and so I hear the word discipline, and I think about all the times I was getting spanked by my dad. I was, I was thinking about all the times that I was getting called to the principal office. I was getting ready to get suspended from school, put in ISS. Um, and so we're here, I hear the word discipline, and it kind of gives me a bad taste in my mouth. You know, um, but what we're talking about here in this discipline is really, it's really the discipline that maybe an athlete would have to, to perform at the highest level. There's a discipline they have to have. They have to be training. It's a discipline that a, maybe someone in the military training over and over, doing the same. I remember being in the Marine Corps and like, why are we doing this again? Why are we doing this again? This is stupid. Hurry up and wait. Hurry up and wait. And there's a reason. There's a process. There's a reason why you do these things, so that when, when called upon, you can perform at the highest level. And so if we look at Galatians 2.20, we're going to find out this foundational truth. And, and I think most people know this passage. They've read it many times. It's one of the first ones I memorized. But Paul says here, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. So so Paul's saying, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. And the principle here right here that I'm thinking of is, is Paul's talking about the, the art of dying. The art of dying to self. And the reason why that's important is because dead men, dead men don't do certain things. Dead men don't get mad. Dead men don't lie. Dead men don't cheat. They don't steal. Because they're dead. They're dead to their sin. Alright? And that's what Paul is talking about here. He says, Jesus, or Christ, lives in me. The life that we live now in the flesh, and what Paul's talking is not talking about our skin. The flesh here is, is our, our emotions, our feelings, how we feel about things. We're not driven by our emotions anymore. We're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All right? That we are now living by faith in the Son of God. So we're putting away the flesh, the things our body and our mind and our emotions say do, we're, we're, we're dying to that. We're saying, I'm going to live by faith in the Son of God. And we know that He loved, him, loved us and gave Himself to us. I just call this living the crucified life. And I believe this is how we find freedom 
And we find this freedom through sacrifice. And in this life of freedom, we live it out not according to what the world says. All right, the world will tell you, you're made this way. You just who, it's just how God made you. All right, you got a temper because you're redhead. You're Irish. That's why you drink. That's what the world tells you. I'm telling you, no. No. You do not have to be constrained by what the world defines you as. We have our own emotions that drive us, right? We, 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 we find a way to get around and, and maybe skirt the gospel and living out an honorable life, something that honors Christ. Because, because quite honestly, we're selfish. We're selfish. And we'll reason with ourselves. I don't know, but I'll reason with myself on why I can do something. And, and usually, if I start reasoning with myself on why I can do something, it's a good indication that I shouldn't be doing it. And that goes for you too. And so we can find this principle of living in freedom and giving up ourselves. And um, Jesus spoke about this in Matthew chapter 16. If you turn your Bibles there, um, or your iPhone, your iPad, just put your eyelids on it. Um, Matthew 16, 21 through 25. And from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. I just want to take a time out right here. Um, this, the disciples, now they're expecting an earthly king. They're expecting someone to overthrow Rome. The Messiah that they're looking for, he's going to be a military leader. He's going to be the Terminator. He's going to come in and he is going to kick Rome out and he's going to rule from Jerusalem. And that is what their expectation is. But Jesus didn't come that way. He's like, I got a heavenly kingdom. You're looking through the long, wrong lenses here. You're looking through earthly lenses. You need to be looking through heavenly lenses. So he interrupts our plans. So there's kind of a parallel here. If you're going through life and you have this picture of what your walk with Christ should look like, like I've been there before, I've, I've come to the point where I was like, well, God, what's, I pay my tithes, Lord. Why don't I lose my job? That'll make sense. Uh, God, I do the right things. I'm doing all these things like the Bible says, but it's not, quite, it's not quite working out for me. And sometimes, number one, if you find yourself asking that question, I know we all have at some point. Maybe you did the thing, and I've had this tough conversation before, but maybe... Maybe our intention wasn't as pure as we thought. If we're holding God ransom over the tithes that we pay and the good that we do in life, maybe we're doing that for an attaboy and we should be doing out a heart and a, and a generous heart and love for Christ with no strings attached. So if your life gets interrupted and you find yourself not understanding that or maybe our, our view is not one having kingdom eyes but we have worldly eyes. And Peter had, this, Peter had this going on. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. He said, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. This shall never happen to you. Now Peter, he was saying this not so much as a, this is not going to happen to you. It's more like, hey, if it happens to you, that means it's going to happen to me, so I really don't want it to happen to you. So, so Peter's trying to protect his own life here. Alright? And so, and so you can really draw the parallels to to Jesus being tempted by Satan. Satan showed him all these things that he can have, all right, but he wouldn't have to die. 
And so Peter's laying this out here like, Jesus, you love me. You don't want me to die. And if you die, I have to die. And Jesus rebuked him and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I believe that Jesus introduces this concept that people who live their life to the fullest are the ones that don't live it based on their own desires, own emotions, living life their own way, but rather practice the discipline of dying to self. So I think, in other words, Jesus is saying if you want to have a full life, something has to die. Keep reading in Matthew. And Jesus says, For whoever would save his life, lose it. Excuse me. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So I think Jesus is enticing us with this statement. And I want to convince you, Cross Point, that if you can understand, if you can grasp, if you can grasp this discipline, the art of this discipline to die into self and what that looks like in our life. That means a life that we are regularly putting to death the things that dishonor God, that are not godly. And we're, we're turning our eyes toward Jesus and we're doing things that are honoring and pleasing to Him. That we are going to be able to live a life to the full. And this is a tough word. I know it's hard to hear this. It's not, it's not a theologically hard principle. Alright? This is not... This is not a hard principle to grasp, but it's probably one of the hardest to execute. All right? We, we, can, we can hear it, but if we don't practice it, what good is it to knowing it, right? What good is it know what to do if we don't do it? And I know, we'd, we'd rather our circumstances change. That's just how we are. Sometimes God just wants us to change. I know we, we all can be in situations. I've been this before too. You know, I've been in a bad work situation. I'm like, God, God, help my work situation. Darren, you don't have a job anymore. All right, I've been there. <laughs> like, well, I, want, I take that back. Lord, put me back in a job. Um, my, my situation changed, but my heart hadn't changed, right? I was still the same person. Lord, help this financial situation. God, I, I just need help with my finances. I need this. And, and, I've been there. I've, been, I've lived paycheck to paycheck. I know what it's like to wonder what bill you're going to pay. Who's not getting paid this month? You know, make a game out of it. Use darts. Uh, as I've been there, believe me. <laughs> no, you will not get a check this month. Uh, sorry. Um, so we pray for our finances to change, right? We, but, but maybe if we don't have good, solid financial principles and we get out of a situation shortly after we find ourselves right back in why because we haven't changed we're still the same we pray for relationships to change it's a, it's a good and healthy thing to do sometimes to change our relationships with others maybe we're praying for our marriage to change and when we do that what are we doing we're really saying lord change my marriage but i really mean change my wife lord she needs some changing and the wives are going mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. change my husband I mean, really change my marriage. You need to change him. That's what needs to happen. And the reality is, is God wants us to change. 
So you pray for a changed situation, but if you want to find a life of freedom, you're not going to find it when your situation's changed. If you haven't had a heart change, if you haven't allowed God to do a work on the inside. So in order for us to find life, again, something has to die, and that something is us. So my first point is this. We need to die to self, which means we need to humble ourselves. Like I put on here, die to self means humble yourself. Humble yourself. You got to pronounce it just like that. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. That's what Paul said in Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified. I'm dying to self. What would it look like, church? What would it look like if you were to die to self every day? What if you were to say, God, you're in control, not me? What would it look like? Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, I die every day. And what I mean by every day, we got to do this every day. Or if we don't, I saw you after Easter. I saw the parking lot. You lost your salvation out there. I saw you. It was crazy. You you in church, praise Jesus. Shout to the Lord. And then now you're shouting at the parking crew. It's what happens. So we have to die to ourselves every day. If we start our days out in prayer and we just pray, Lord, today, God, today, I'm thankful for the cross. I'm thankful for salvation. Lord, today I say yes to you and I say no to the world. Lord, today I give you my ego. God, today I I give my thoughts. I want them to have the mind of Christ, not the mind of Darren. Because I have a disturbed mind. We all do. Lord, I want to put on your mind. I want to have the thoughts that you have. Lord, may my words build others up and not tear them down. What if we did that every day? Lord, today may I hear your voice amongst all the noise that surrounds me. Let me hear your voice, God. God, your word says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. May I be in step with you today. What if you started talking, what if you started your day in prayer just like this every day? How much would your life change? Number two, we need to choose to pursue. When I think about the word pursue, um, I got three daughters. I got, a, I got a, my oldest, Natalie, is 19. She's a college, I guess a college sophomore now. Um, wow, that, that really hurts. Um, I didn't think about that to just now. I'm going to cry right here on the stage. So I got a college sophomore. I got one that's going to be a freshman in high school. That, that stings right there. A freshman in high school, and I have another one going to seventh grade. And my youngest, Delaney, for those who know you, know her. She is wide open 24-7. She goes to sleep 100 miles an hour, and she wakes up and just wakes up talking and jabbering. So much energy, and it's just... Like you have to really, you have to really, really pray when you hang out with her because she is just so much energy, so much energy. I love her, love her to death. But I think about, when I think about pursuing, I think about Delaney and how if she sees something she wants, she goes for it. She just goes for it. She will not quit till she gets it. I remember when she was about four years old and, and she challenged Alyssa to a race in the pool. We lived in Louisiana and, and we're in a neighborhood pool and she 
she's four and Alyssa's six and she's so much smaller than Alyssa and, and she's I challenge you to a race you're going to lose and they raced and Alyssa beat her and Delane gets back out she goes let's do it again so they race again now she's a little closer but Alyssa beat her again and Delane's like I'm not done with you yet I am not done we're going to race until I beat you and so they raced the third time and Delaney beat her and then Delaney's like I need to tie you and so, and so they race again and so Delaney ties she beats her again and then now Alyssa's mad because she's older she's supposed to win these things and she goes well we gotta have a tiebreaker and Delaney beats her and she didn't beat her because she's faster than Alyssa she beat her because she was in pursuit of something she has this tenacity that you just can't teach and she was relentless when it came to that goal of beating her sister you see, when we pursue something, it's all about momentum and moving forward. It's not passivity. And Paul talks about this in Philippians. If you can turn to Philippians chapter 3, we'll look at this right quick. Verse 12 through 14. And Paul says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Let me stop there right quick. Paul says, again, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Let me challenge you with this. If you're on I-75 in rush hour traffic, how good can you drive if you're looking in the rearview mirror the whole time? How long before you get into a wreck? How good can you drive if you're looking behind you the whole time trying to go forward in life? You're going to get into a wreck. That's what Paul is saying. You can't live your life that way. You've got to get over the hurts that you've got in your life. You can't focus on those. Yes, we, we have scars from our past. We've all been hurt. We've all been offended we've all offended someone but you cannot dwell on your past you've got to move forward and press toward the goal Paul goes ahead and says I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize which God through Jesus Christ is calling us church family we need to pursue if we started every day by humbling ourselves on our knees and then choosing to pursue the things that are righteous the things that are holy and pleasing to god again our lives are going to radically change there's a danger here of not pursuing of waiting for things to happen or waiting for god to show up or or just not pursuing at all and i call it drifting the danger of the drift delaney again when she was four she was all excited she made my sermon twice today so she was like yes Alyssa only made it once. And so she's competitive. I know she, that's what she is. She's competitive. And, uh, and then anyway, and she's like, Natalie, you didn't make it any. You know, and so Delaney's up two to one to zero. Two, one, zero. That's what she does. And so uh, Delaney was four years old. We're, we're in Destin, and she's, uh, she just, she's wave jumping. And the waves weren't too big, but there was a nice, there was a little bit of a current running adjacent to the beach. Not one that's taking her out of the ocean, just one that's. You know, you jump, and you wind up, five minutes later, you were here, but now you're here. 
And so what I just told her is like, Delaney, make sure you check in. Make sure you keep your eyes on Dad, okay? All right, you, or are you going to be over there before you know it? And Yes, sir, I got it, Dad. And, you know, of course, 20 seconds later, she's forgot whatever I told her. And she's just hopping the waves. And she's not even looking back. She's just hopping in the waves, having a good time. And she's hopping the waves, and the water's carrying further and further away from me. She's hopping the waves, and she's moving further and further away until she's about 50 yards away from me. Now, I'm not a bad dad, all right? I'm not letting her get sucked out to sea. I'm just watching. It's a teaching moment for me. And she turns around, and she looks, and she can't find a father, right? She can't find a father. Where'd he go? Where did my father go? Father didn't go anywhere, right? She did the drifting. I was right here, and she moved away from me. So I called Delaney over. Delaney, where'd you get in the ocean at? Right here, Dad. Delaney, where'd you come out at? Over there. I was like, what happened? Dad, I guess I just got, I wasn't paying attention. Church, we're like that sometimes in our own lives. We don't pay attention. We're not focused on God. We, we got so many distractions in our life and our families kids pulling us everywhere they're, they're involved in every sport there is and, and, and we find our lives just crazy and, and as life goes on we get crazy and we love God we love Him but we get, it gets crazy and we got all these distractions and, and, we're, and we're just fitting God in where we can we're, we're just kind of fitting Jesus in where we have a spot and then we look up one day like, where'd God go? where's He at? where you at God? And he's like I, I never left I've been here the whole time. Church, it's us that do the drifting sometimes. Our God is faithful. He is a faithful Father. And we need to be focused. And we need to pursue Him. Because the danger of that is we find ourselves drifting, drifting further away. Joshua 24, 15 says, Choose for this day whom you will serve. Choose from whom this day you will serve. So that means every day we make that choice. I'm going to serve you, God. I choose today to serve you. Yesterday I chose to serve you. Today I choose to serve you. And tomorrow I will choose to serve you. He goes on to say, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So that means that as parents, we can set the tone of our household. You're going to serve. You're going to be in church while you're under my roof. You're going to church. I used to, my dad was a pastor. I hated that. I mean, we had a revival, and I had to go to school week. I had football practice, all this stuff. But I tell you, I tell you this. If, if you're not influencing your kids, someone else is. If you're not showing them that Christ is the center of your life, I mean... When that drift happens, who do we have to blame? So I just want to say this. Our third point is that we need to be different as Christians, as Christ's followers. We need to be different. In, in, in order to make a difference in other people's lives, in our communities, and, and in our country, in our world, we need to be different. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18, and, and Paul's quoting Isaiah here, but he says... Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. And touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, 
You shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Now, we're not talking about building this wall up and, and being like the Amish here. You know, it's, it's not about separating yourself so much and, uh, and being in a horse and a buggy. Uh, it is about being separate from the world, but also being relevant in the world. We should live our way, lives in a way that, are, that, that is appealing to others. They see something in us. We all go through trials and tribulations just like those who don't follow Christ. I have a friend, his son died of cancer at four years old and watched it's about a four-month process. And they were great believers. And it had me question, like, why? Why, God? This is, this is a great, faithful family. Why? But the reality is that being a Christian is not, it doesn't keep you from having trials and tribulations, but, but when you have Christ, it helps you through it. And through their son's tragic death, you know, a ministry was born, and, and they were even published a book, and she goes all around the country, and they set up a, a fund where they help other kids, and I think sometimes we don't know why things happen. We don't have the answer, but we got to be okay to know that God is in control, and that when you go through something, you see, you see God on someone, Right? And, and you just see that, and you're like, I want what they have. Jason Van Nuss, a couple years ago, he and I were talking about sharing the gospel. And it was just, it was a pretty simple concept that he shared with me. And you guys probably all heard this before. Um, but it was kind of, it was poignant to me. It was simple but poignant. But he's talking about the way he lives his own life. That he did not want to be, he's like, Darren, I don't want to be the one that, that creates the offense. I want my life to honor God. I want my words to honor God. My actions, my lifestyle, everything I do, I want it to honor God. I don't want to be the stumbling block between someone and the cross. If they're going to stumble, let it be the cross that offends them. I wonder if we live our lives that way. Church, we need to be a thermostat of change. Christians, we need to be a thermostat of change. And what I mean by that is that we control the environment. All right? Too many of us are thermometers. We just, we've taken the temperature of the culture and what this culture says is good. And we're like, well, I'm just going to be the temperature of the culture instead of setting the temperature of what the culture should be. I want to challenge you to be a thermostat of change control the environment, set the example for others to follow. Church, if you commit to this, if, if, if I commit to doing this, this is an individual choice, this is an individual thing that you got to say, I'm going to do this. If you commit to dying to self every day, to, to humbling yourself and saying, God, may my thoughts be your thoughts, may my words be your words, may my actions be your actions, or show me who you is there a divine appointment for me today God I humble myself before you I don't want any part of this I want you to be the Lord of my life and then we say I'm going to pursue Lord I am I'm going to pursue all things that are holy and righteous and God I'm going to live my life in a way that people say there's something different about me 
not different like weird not different like I don't want any of that different as in attractional different as as in they're asking what do you got because I want some of that church if we do all this your life will radically change my life will radically change and that's my prayer for you and that's my prayer for myself